Welcome to the Life on Word podcast. I'm the host, Bailey Brown. Through this podcast, I hope you fall more in love with God's Word as it is properly understood. If you want to dig deeper into Scripture and see the big picture of God's story, you are in the right place. In these episodes, I want you to see how deep and wide Scripture is and what a joy it is to study God's Word. Life on Word exists to encourage you to build all of your life on the Word of God because it is the only worthy foundation. For more resources relating to studying the Bible, theology, and discipleship, check out baileylbrown.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life on Word. Today we're going to be finishing our study of Matthew chapter 22. In the last couple of episodes, we read of the parable of the wedding banquet that Jesus told to the religious leaders, and then we also read of the first two debates that take place in the temple. The first one was between Jesus and the Herodians and the disciples of the Pharisees, and the second was between Jesus and the Sadducees. In this episode, we'll read of two more confrontations. This time, one will be with an expert of the law, and then the next will be with the Pharisees and all of the crowd that was gathered around. We'll see how Jesus perfectly responds each time, not giving anyone the opportunity to catch him doing something they can report him for. I'm going to read starting in verse 34 and go to the end of the chapter. With that, I'll get started. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David in the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. So in the last episode, we covered the interactions between Jesus and various religious leader groups in the temple. Today we pick up with the third confrontation that happens in the temple. This time it is between Jesus and an expert in the law. Matthew records that this expert was one of the Pharisees as they had witnessed Jesus' reaction with the Sadducees and wanted to give it another shot at testing Jesus. The lawyer comes to Jesus and asks, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He is referring here to the entire Old Testament. This was a common shorthand expression used in that time. Further helpful background for this question is that it was actually a popular question amongst rabbis at this time. They often debated about which of the commandments held the most weight versus the ones that were not so important. 
In the eyes of the Pharisees, Jesus is not actually a qualified teacher, so they are hoping to reveal any theological incompetency that he may have. Instead, as has been the case in the last two debates, Jesus has the perfect response ready for them. Here, his answer is so traditional and so rooted in the ancient scripture that the Pharisees couldn't possibly challenge him on it. In fact, if the Pharisees took the time to think about his response, they would have probably felt conviction with how they themselves hadn't been following this great commandment. Responding to the group, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6, 5, stating, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all of your mind. This passage was so important to the Jews that it was repeated twice a day in their Shema prayer. It was an affirmation of their most central Jewish beliefs. Jesus then quotes Leviticus 19 verse 18, stating that the second most important command was to love one's neighbor as himself. In both of these commands, the love that followers of God are called to is not merely emotional attachment. Rather, it is concrete and action-oriented. What Matthew will be showing throughout the rest of his gospel is how the things that are about to happen to Jesus are the perfect example of living these two commandments out. His arrest, trial, and crucifixion were done with the sole purpose of redeeming his people, loving us in a way we do not deserve. On the other hand, think about the Jewish people. They fully recognized these two commandments as integral to Judaism, but they would have struggled with living them out. The religious leaders, for example, gave lip service to these two commands, but at the same time were rejecting the ministry of the Messiah and taking advantage of the people of Israel to further their own agendas in the temple. Even the Jews with pure intentions and a right heart before God would have struggled with this as they tried to obey these commands in their own strength, without the power of the Holy Spirit abiding within them. Thus, these two commands are given new life through the ministry of Jesus. Through Jesus, the calls to love God and neighbor become invitations of partnering with the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to do the work in the person to bring about this fruit. Now, this wasn't happening yet, as that will be looking forward to the book of Acts, but this is what Jesus is getting at. He's pointing to this future way in which people of the kingdom will live this out. Jesus goes on to say, On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. If you remember back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5-7, through 7, Jesus talked about how the golden rule was a summary of the law and the prophets, meaning all of the Old Testament. He is giving the same message here. To love God with all one has and to love one's neighbor as himself is to live the way that God has always intended for humans to live, even throughout the Old Testament. In verse 41, Matthew signals the beginning of the fourth debate in the temple. He records that the Pharisees were gathered together, and this time, Jesus goes on the offensive by asking them the question. It is likely that more than just the Pharisees were present here at the temple to watch this exchange. Jesus asked, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They immediately answer by saying that the Christ is the son of David, and this would have been the automatic response that any Jew would have given. So Jesus doesn't stop here and asks, How is it then that David in the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. 
Jesus has here quoted one of the most important messianic texts in the Old Testament found in Psalm 110. Interestingly, this is the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. If the religious leaders cannot interpret this passage and see the relation between David and the Messiah, then they can't possibly understand Jesus' identity. I want to explain something about this passage that may not be obvious for us English readers. If you were reading this passage in Hebrew, you would notice that a different word for Lord is used each time. The first time in David's psalm where Lord is used, the Hebrew word is Yahweh, while the second time the Hebrew word used for Lord is Adon. So think of the passage as reading like this, Yahweh says to my Adon, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. The significance of this is that Yahweh was the primary name of God throughout the Old Testament. Anytime this word is in the Old Testament in our Bibles, you will see Lord, the translation for Yahweh, in all capital letters. On the other hand, Adon is not a specific person, but rather more broadly means Lord or Master, as it is translated in this passage. David here means it to be referring to the coming Messiah. So what David is doing here is making a distinction between Yahweh and this other Lord, the coming Messiah. Through this passage, we learn that the Messiah has a unique relationship with Yahweh. The Messiah is seated at the right hand of Yahweh, a position of highest authority and privilege, and Yahweh will subject all enemies unto him. Up until this point, the Pharisees have only viewed the Messiah as a human descendant from the line of David, but they are missing something important, which is the special relationship between the Messiah and Yahweh. Jesus states in verse 45, If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? He is showing the Pharisees that they need to reconsider the view they have held of the Messiah. He is both the Lord or Master of David in that he is the Messiah David and the Jewish people had been waiting for. But he is also the son of David in that he is from his family line. The chapter ends with Matthew recording that no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. Though the religious leaders have tried to catch Jesus doing or saying something they can have him arrested for, they've come up with nothing. Instead, Jesus has more clearly than ever revealed his identity and authority. If there were any in the temple crowds that day that were open to Jesus' message, they just might have come to understand that Jesus is not just the human Messiah that has come to free his people, but rather he is the divine Son of God that has come to save the whole world. But Jesus sees that the rejection of his message continues, so he will now rebuke the gathered crowds for not accepting him. Okay, so we've now reached the end of chapter 22, so we'll wrap up and look at some application based on today's passage. In the first debate we covered in this episode, Jesus said that the two greatest commandments were to love God with everything one has and is, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Then in the second debate, Jesus subtly pointed out to the Pharisees that the Messiah was not merely a man, but was the unique Son of God. When I think about how this relates or applies to us today, my first thought is about the connection between the two. A proper understanding of who Jesus is leads to a proper response, which is following the two greatest commandments of loving God and others. 
Just as we talked about earlier, living these commands out isn't something that we can do in our own power or strength. We cannot just determine that we are going to do these things well. Instead, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And what the Spirit does is reveal the beauty of Christ in all of His fullness to us. When we see this beauty and what Christ has done for us, we are changed by it and want to love Him more and love others more as a natural response. It's not about mustering up actions we don't feel like doing, but rather about having our heart changed when we truly see God and then dedicating our lives to loving and serving God and others because this is what we want to do out of love. And as we talked about earlier, this love isn't merely an emotion we feel. In fact, our emotions may change over time. Some days we may wake up and just really not feel like reading our Bibles or serving those around us, while other days we may be overflowing with these feelings of love and joy. In whatever circumstances, we must recognize that love is commitment. Seeing Jesus for who He really is should result in committing all of ourselves to Him. Today we completed our study of Matthew chapter 22. We read of Jesus debating the expert in the law about the greatest commandment. He summed up God's intention both in the Old Testament and the New Testament in the commands to love God and love neighbor. And then we saw in the final debate how Jesus turned to the offensive and asked about the identity of the Messiah and his relation to David. In chapter 23, we will cover Jesus' further judgment on the religious leaders of Israel for their failure to respond to His ministry and their failure to lead the people to God. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review. Check out the episode description to see the source materials I studied for this episode. Until next time.